0: Welcome to the Pubs Podcast. This is brought to you by the University of Pennsylvania's Undergraduate Biotech Society, and our student-run podcast is dedicated to biotech, business, and breakthroughs. With each episode, we will delve deep into the latest innovations across the industry, bringing our own insights and finding inspiration from our guests.
1: Hi, this is Jerry, and welcome back to another episode. We decided to switch things up this time, and I'm co-hosting with a fellow committee member, Sairaj. Our guest today is Dr. Ben Durandz, an accomplished scientist, entrepreneur, and leader in the antibody biotechnology space. Dr. Duran's co-founded Integral Molecular in 2001, leading development of five different technologies from research to market and growing the company into a profitable commercial entity. He's an inventor of several patents, the principal investigator on numerous NIH grants, and an author on over 100 publications published in Cell, Science, and Nature. Dr. Duranz earned his PhD in cell and molecular biology at the University of Pennsylvania, where he led the discovery of the co-receptor CCR5 for HIV. He holds an MBA from the Wharton School of Business and a bachelor's from Cornell University. I was struck by Dr. Duranz's expertise in blending science and his business acumen as he explains concepts and processes exceptionally well during our conversation. We started off talking about his unorthodox path towards combining his two interests and the importance of pursuing meaningful work. We examined the skill set differences necessary to navigate biomedical research and the business world. We then discussed his current work at Integral Molecular, which involves industrial protein synthesis for biomedical applications, along with exciting developments in biotechnology research with a surprising fact about eggs and dinosaurs. This was a fun episode to record and we hope you enjoy. Get started then. Take it away. Sweet. Well, uh, welcome to another episode of the Pubs Podcast. Uh, Dr. Dorians, thank you so much for uh, joining us today.
2: I'm well, uh, well, happy to be here. You you, you learn a lot in, right. by living. Uh, you, you get a lot of advice from other people along the way, and hopefully <laughs> I can share something with you guys.
1: For sure. Really appreciate that. We wanted to start off uh, first with sort of give this a, like a rundown of your story. like, where did it start? And um, the experiences that led you to where you are now.
2: Sure. So, um, <clears throat> just kind of give you a little bit of background. Uh, run a company, Integral Molecular. I'm the president, and CEO. I started the company about 20 right. years ago. Wow. But to get there was, um, you know, a pathway. It's a journey, like anything mm-hmm. else. And uh, I guess kind of going back to college, I went to Cornell and um, majored in biology and mm-hmm. nutrition and a couple other things that were of interest. But I really followed my own right. pathway, my own interests. That's great. And part of that was business, and part of that was science. It was more on the Mm -hmm. science side, but I was always interested in business. But after college, I actually ended up in Philadelphia working at Wistar as Mm -hmm. a lab technician. Took a couple years off Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I worked with some great people at Wistar uh, doing lab research. Absolutely. And that inspired me to go back to grad school. Mm -hmm. So I went to grad school, got my PhD at Penn. Um, The quick version went... Um, after grad school, spent a little bit of time working at the Center for Technology Transfer at Penn, which is kind of a business arm of the university, Mm -hmm. um, helping create um, startups and doing licenses. And then I worked after that for the um, Science Center, University Mm -hmm. City Science Center, helping them create startups in their incubator. Mm -hmm. And during that time, um, got my MBA at Wharton and um, ended up graduating and uh, along the way, kind of winning the business plan competition there because mm. I was interested in businesses at that time, creating new companies, helping, I was helping other people create companies at that time. I realized, you know, right. this is something I could do and, uh, end up creating Integral Molecular with, um, this, a couple of my uh, co-founders. Your MBA, that was like with your PhD or was it after your PhD? It's Kind of after, I think now they have a combination mm. program yeah. where you can do everything at once. But at the time, um, I finished my PhD, did a year of a postdoc and mm. then went back to get Absolutely. my MBA. Where'd you do your postdoc at? Well, I stayed in the same lab. I oh, okay. A, right. I, I actually at right. Penn, um, so I was having a great time doing yeah. really good research, publishing a lot. So I ended up staying in the same lab for another year mm-hmm. as a postdoc, um, publishing right. more papers, and then made the transition to the business side.
0: So you said that like you were really you were really drawn to that lab. What like drew you to the lab? Like what made you want to stay? Was it like the people? Was it the research you were doing? Was
2: it just? Yeah. I mean, at the time, we had a lot of momentum. Um, we were doing research on HIV and how the virus gets into cells. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we discovered something called a, the, the co-receptors for HIV, describing like called CCR5 and another one called CXCR4, mm-hmm. and finding these receptors that, that explain how the virus gets into a cell mm-hmm. and also explains why some people are actually resistant to HIV. Um, that Despite multiple exposures, they never get infected because they have right. a mutation in this gene, CCR5, and they don't mm-hmm. get infected. So it was really interesting research, really um, exciting research with a lot of collaborators, with a lot of great people, some of which I still work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, didn't want that to stop. That's <laughs> absolutely That's incredible.
0: Like finding something that you're like that invested in, and like being able to do it every day. That that
2: sounds like a dream. Right. It is. Uh, you know the the um, <clears throat> the. The funny thing is you, know, you you kind of go down this pathway of following your interests, but it right. also, if you're lucky, it leads to a career and eventually right. you get a job where you're being paid to do something you love. And I'm, I'm actually right. amazed I get paid for what I do now because <laughs> exactly. I love doing it. I do it anyway. <laughs> That's the dream. Pay the bills. Uh, but um, you know, I'm fortunate to be able to right. enjoy, really enjoy what I do as well as uh, get Absolutely. paid for it and make a living.
1: What would you say about like the type of research with HIV and it sounds like a lot more um, biochemical and molecular. What about that fascinates you? Like what's, is the mechanisms, is it like the impact? Like what would you say?
2: Yeah, it, it's all it's all within this kind of cell and molecular biology kind of realm, understanding what happens inside a cell on the molecular level mm-hmm. and viruses are kind of part of that. They infect the right. cell and basically take over that cell and mm-hmm. understanding things at that level, mm-hmm. which is, which is, currently the kind of level that how of how drugs are designed right. and, and engineered and made you have to understand what's going on at the Absolutely. individual protein level mm-hmm. to understand how to fight diseases like like cancer and, and HIV
1: right did there when you were a kid were you also as fascinated about the cell like was there any like seminal moments that kind of spurred that interest
2: I, I wouldn't say I was fascinated by it as a kid. Oh. matter of <laughs> fact, in college, right. I really actually didn't like lab courses. Oh, I interesting. like biology. okay, but uh, there's a difference when you're in college or high school or right. you know any school, and you're doing lab mm-hmm. work. Oh, yeah. you're doing these kind of protocol driven lab right. um, exercises that have a defined outcome, and you right. know, whether it takes you an hour or ten mm-hmm. hours to get to the final solution, you know, right. some clear yellow liquid exactly. you know, in a test tube that you <laughs> That's have right. to extract from a from a leaf. You mm. know, you have to get to the end to pass that right. course and get a check mm. on that yeah. grade. You know, and that just never excited me. I mean, I used to spend, you know, hours and hours and end up at like 10, right. 11 o'clock in the lab and, in college <laughs> right. and be like, I finally got my <laughs> yellow liquid, fine, you know. Right. But it never really meant much to me. Until I started doing more independent research. Gotcha. Going into a lab, helping. At the time, I was working um, uh, right. with a researcher who was studying another virus, bovine leukemia virus. And right. then we started doing other experiments. And that was really mm-hmm. kind of a, a, a differentiator for me, because then I was not just doing the experiments, right. but I was thinking about the outcome. What, why was I doing those things? What was the question I was answer? I was trying to answer? And that was what was exciting to me. Mm. Like I can I can relate
0: to that so well because I've like I, I have talked to people that like are in their PhD right now and they have said the same exact thing like I'm taking a general like you know chemistry or biology lab and it's like the protocols are there and you know what the end product is and you know how to get there and it's just about the matter of actually doing it and then but like when you're in a real lab when you're independent right it's like you don't you never know if you're gonna get the results mm-hmm. like. That you want you, you never know if your hypothesis is going right. to be right, you just, you just never know, and that's like the I guess that's like the fun and intense part of you know <laughs> being in a <laughs> real lab where you're like i don't know if, if I'm spending all these man hours just to get right. a product that uh-huh. might not be what I wanted, but mm-hmm. then you learn from that product
2: and you like move on and you create something else right yeah and i I, I kind of think of it you think of it like cooking, you know mm. a lot of people who love Absolutely. cooking Absolutely. Mm. no one probably likes. The process of stirring, stirring something in a bowl, up, right? right? It's not the process of, mm-hmm. you know, stirring something or mixing something or measuring something. Right. That's mm-hmm. you know, you have to do that to cook something, but or chopping something right. up, mm-hmm. you know, that's just kind of the the, the technical part of it. But what mm-hmm. people are really interested in in, right. in cooking is one of two things: either the outcome. Here's right. a cake. Here's a <laughs> here's a dessert. Here's a lasagna. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever, you know, that I created and it right. tastes great. Mm-hmm. Or a lot of people are also interested in the front end like mm. I'm gonna create a new dish. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna take this artichoke Absolutely. and this tomato and this you know exactly. olive oil, and yeah. I'm gonna make something that's never existed before. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and science is kind of the same way. Mm. The individual steps of doing an experiment, you know pipetting something from one tube to another. Right. You know it's not that exciting. you're, you're cells, you're doing something, but, you're thinking the whole time about mm. why am I doing this experiment? Right. What is it leading to? And is it a question that I came up with or someone else came up with? Right. And what's the answer? I'm going to find that answer that no one's known before. Mm. And that's the exciting part.
0: Absolutely. And that's that's, that's what, what kind of drove you to, to get up every morning. What?
2: Yeah, that, that kind yeah. of drove me to go back to graduate school because right. I kept asking questions in my mind like, I wonder how mm. this works. I wonder if you could do this. You know, right. my mind's kind of like asking those questions, and I realized that's. What a mm-hmm. PhD is about. True. It's about asking questions and answering questions. So, so I went like, back to grad school. Is that the
0: point that point where you knew that you wanted, wanted to pursue this and you wanted to go down this path? This, is this is this the point that you knew that?
2: Maybe? Yeah. So, so starting to work right. with other researchers who are asking. I wasn't, you know, as an undergraduate and even even in graduate school, I wasn't mm-hmm. at the point yet to start doing that myself. But I could mm-hmm. see they were right. doing it. And I'm like, that looks like something I would like to do. So, you know, you get mm-hmm. those experiences. You do internships. You do. Summer jobs, right? You get some experience with mentors, people who are you know ahead of you and are mm. are doing what you might want to do, and then you right. see what they're doing. You get a sense of it's if it's interesting or not, or mm. not. You know, maybe it's not. You're like, yeah, this is the most boring thing in the world. I'm <laughs> going somewhere else. That's okay too. But you get an experience, Absolutely. and you're like, this is this is me. This is these are my people, and this is what right. I want to do.
1: Absolutely. And was there ever a point when you were quote unquote cooking or doing something different? that you suddenly had a sort of insight that led you to um, pursue, like, your research question in a different way? Like, was there any, um, just any different ways of looking at the problem that, like, revealed itself when you were doing something else?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, those kind of moments happen all the time. And those are the moments that I that I love the most about and it's my job. Cool, yeah. it, it's getting to and, and and those those inspirations, those right. insights don't always come from me. They come from a group. They come from right. the people you work with. So the most mm. exciting part of my job is sitting around a table like mm. we're doing, and bouncing around some ideas That's with right. other scientists and people I work with, or collaborators, or, uh-huh. or just you know other scientists at meetings, and coming up with new ideas. Because mm. I'll have one right one viewpoint of a scientific problem Mm -hmm. you might have another one you might have another one right and we learn from each other by bouncing around some ideas and eventually at the end of the conversation we've come up Mm. with an idea or a hypothesis or a technology that none of us alone could have invented Mm. but together we put our minds to it like you know right i can build off your idea you're going to build off my idea and all of a sudden we're in a place where no one's been before It
1: becomes fun too. Like it's you a lot see of fun. something that might have like stumped you for like the longest time, and someone with different life experiences, they might see it a different way, mm-hmm. and it reveals a different uh, path forward. And I think that's also something I've also come about through um, just my like coursework with chemistry and biology. Like I initially didn't see it as much as more of just like memorization and wrote um, just going through the mm-hmm. motions. Until I saw maybe, like, bigger pictures, like, um, from, like, people who I've, like, talked to, like, you and other um, uh, mentors, like, in the field, like, doing, like, groundbreaking work. It all suddenly starts, like, to um, trickle down and come back, and I can now see the importance of... Mm -hmm maybe the molecule or the, like the exact process. I'm looking like, at, yeah. see it in a different way
2: and it's well, beautiful. Y- you, have, right. you have to start with the basics, you know? Absolutely. And, and, and there's some pain in That's that. That's true, right. there yeah. There is some pain. You, a, have pain. Exactly. you have to memorize things. Exactly. know the acronyms, right. you know? There's a lot of three-letter, yeah. four-letter yeah. acronyms. Oh, my The biology. It and, you know, <laughs> acid. Yeah. You have to know the basics. <laughs> right. You have to know the language in order to have those conversations. That right. does take time. That's true. But once you understand those things, you can have right. conversations that, you know, you – would never be able to have before with other you know, without those, without those building mm-hmm. blocks.
0: Like to use the analogy, like gathering the tools before yeah. you can Yeah,
1: exactly, right. exactly, right. Yeah, you
2: don't, you don't walk into a, right. you know, five-star restaurant and become the chef the first day. Exactly. You start by waiting tables exactly. and then, yeah. you know, chopping things, bussing tables. Chopping, and, yeah, and, work your way up. Exactly. Getting yelled a few way. times and <laughs> <laughs> chewed out there. by the chef. Yeah. Right. Right. So you've done that.
1: Oh, I've seen it happen, but you know, I'm sure it happened to me, so can see where it's <laughs> coming from, but all part of the process. <laughs> for sure yeah so you build we up that an experience trying. and
2: then one day you're like I've got all the skills mm. to put it all together and you can right. become the chef so that's Absolutely. that's where that's where it leads that's you know what's
0: you know what's interesting and not to not to backtrack too much, too much but like what, what, what I found interesting was, was that, that you went, went into business, business side things things of, as things well. as well like mm-hmm. you, you, you usually hear it's either, either like, like you go science route or, or you go like, like this route. But, but like lately, I haven't seen a lot of like overlap between things. Mm-hmm. Like, I still like, like MD, PhD, PhD, but they're both science related. But there's, there's also like mm-hmm. an MBA, MD. Like mm-hmm. you were saying, there's mm-hmm. so much overlap. So, so what made, made you want to go into like a, a like, I guess, two different, different ways, like both science and into like, and into, like the, the business, business side of things? Mm-hmm. Like,
2: yeah, yeah, I was always interested in both. Um, right. But I... Uh, for me, science is very interesting. I love doing it, but I'm always looking at it from the perspective of why am I doing it? Mm-hmm. Is Absolutely. who cares about what I'm doing, you know? And in and, and graduate school, Any research project, there comes a point where you're asking yourself, "Who does care about this?" (laughs) You know, you're doing all this research, you're digging, you know, a hole down to the middle of the earth, you know, but this one topic really, really deep, Mm -hmm. and probably five other people in the world understand Mm -hmm. what you're doing, and you kind of ask yourself, "Why am I doing this exactly? Who cares (laughs) about the destination?" But you realize that along the way, you're learning a lot of other things, a lot of other skills, and you you come out of those experiences with Mm-hmm. able to dig holes in any topic very right. very deep to go as deep as you want to go mm-hmm. and the way I look at things now is I can go down any road mm-hmm. I want in, in science you know within mm-hmm. a reasonable area of expertise um, but why should I mm-hmm. what okay. what's the value of it who cares about that right. hole or that ex- or that that knowledge or that right. outcome that question that answer and as long as there's an answer to that right. question of who cares, mm-hmm. then we'll go down that road. So, mm-hmm. someone might care because it brings a lot of value to a company. Other mm-hmm. people might care because it brings a lot of value to medicine mm-hmm. or science or, or humanity. There's right. lots of good reasons to go down a given road. Mm-hmm. As long as there's an answer, mm-hmm. then we will go down that road. We want it to be valuable to everyone. Absolutely. Um, but we want to make sure that's valuable to someone. Right. <laughs> Otherwise, the question is why are we doing something? That's so, true. I look at science from that business kind of lens of what's the value. Mm-hmm. And we, we're, we don't look at it strictly from a dollar perspective, but the value perspective. Mm-hmm. What's the value to patients? What's the value to medicine? What's the value to science, even if it never gets to, to market? What's the value from a dollar standpoint as well? Mm-hmm. And we put all those things together to decide what we're gonna do. Mm-hmm. So we look at all those things together. The flip side is on business, business alone is really, there is no such thing as business Mm. alone. Like it doesn't Mm. exist in a vacuum. It's always the business of selling something. You know, you always, you know, you're selling widgets. Well, no one actually sells widgets, you know, it's not, it's it's always about something. You're selling a phone or a drug or Mm. a car or a house or it's always selling something. So you've got to, understand that topic deeply and the more you understand that topic that market for me mm-hmm. science and biotechnology the more you can understand the value of mm-hmm. what you're giving someone
0: like the business side of things it's like bringing it to the people mm-hmm. like it's um it like it helps you connect the bridges between what you're doing and what your purpose you know mm-hmm. of doing what you're doing is to like being able to give it and help the other people mm-hmm. that's That's interesting. And Uh, to
1: add on, what what would you say having a science background and a mode of inquiry for the world, how does that change how you interact with people in business?
2: You know, science and business sometimes come at things and from very different viewpoints. Right. Um, And you have to understand both to Mm. make it all work. So from the science perspective, you're trained as a scientist to ask the question of, um, is that true? So if I say there's you know, this this the ink on this page is black, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, from a scientist perspective, you say, well, maybe kind of looks black, but maybe it's really dark gray. Let's get a <laughs> photo spectrophotometer out Absolutely. here and yeah. measure it and see let's exactly how black length, that ink everything. is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're 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 taught to question things, right? But from a business perspective, you're you're trained to do it a, to look at it a different way, mm-hmm. to look at it and say, well, okay, let's just let's assume it's true. Whatever you said, you're a scientist, you've been to right. grad school, you got a PhD. I'm going to assume whatever you said is true. Mm. So what? What's it worth? I'm going to put a dollar into your statement. Right. How much money is coming out the other side? Who cares? Mm-hmm. What's the value of what you said? You know. So this Absolutely. ink is black on the page. Does that mean you've invented a new way of printing? Does right. that mean someone is going to buy your printer or your ink or right. your paper? Different. Tell me what it means. What's the value? True. And I'm gonna evaluate that and say, well, that sounds kind of interesting. I'm gonna mm-hmm. give it a probability. You've got a 75% probability right. of realizing that product mm-hmm. or a 20% chance or whatever, but I'm gonna put a value on it right. based on that probability and that value of that market that you're going mm-hmm. into. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it works or not. You know, I don't care how it works. I'm not gonna question whether it can work. I'm gonna right. assume everything you say is true. But there's some risk, and I'm gonna give it a risk probability. True. Way. So yeah. it just approaches it very differently. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not gonna question the science. I'm gonna question the value of the Absolutely. science. So you gotta look at things both ways. Mm-hmm. If to, to me, if you want to have an impact, which mm-hmm. is ultimately the goal, an impact yeah. on the world, an impact right. on your community, an impact on science. Yeah. To mm-hmm. say, what am I doing? Is it gonna work? And what if it does work? What's the value mm-hmm. to the world?
1: Absolutely. And let's say you're a PhD or an um, med student. Who like wants to dip their toes in like business and get a better understanding yeah. um, of just running a business in the world, and then so let's say you're a, maybe an MBA or a business student, a consultant who has like a much more um, who wants to get a much de- in-depth understanding of like the science world. Like coming from both ends of it, how do you think um, people can accomplish that goal of being either a businessman scientist or a scientist businessman? Like it seems like they're very complementary skill sets.
2: Well, you have to you have to start by learning from other people. Mm. So, you know, I started as an intern. I, right. I, I, I was, um, well, I started as a lab technician to learn science from mm-hmm. other scientists who had a lot more experience than I did. And I had a great experience. I learned a lot from them. When I started on the business side, I started as an intern at the Center for Technology Transfer. Mm-hmm. I learned a ton from the people around me mm-hmm. um, by helping them get their jobs on. I just contributed a little bit, but they were... Um, they knew what they were doing and they asked me to do specific things and I was able to learn by doing those things. Mm -hmm. Uh, And many times, you know, you're not paid for those things. It's just a learning experience. That's fine. That's where you got to start. And eventually, you know enough to get maybe a part-time job and then maybe a full-time job at Mm -hmm. a low level. And then you kind of work your way up. Um, And then eventually, you have enough information, enough experience, enough judgment in those areas Mm -hmm. to maybe do your own thing or or run a a larger project
0: like learning piece by piece and then grouping it all together. Mm -hmm. So, like, I know you said your undergrad degree was in, like, biology. Mm -hmm. So, like, was it a big transition when you eventually wanted to, like, after your PhD, when you eventually wanted to go in and get an MBA? Like, how was that transition? Was it a hard transition or was it, like, relatively easier because of your life experiences and because you have, like, you know, worked an office job, did those internships,
2: there's a big there's a big cultural difference I say between the, the science side of things and the business side of things. I'm not quite sure how to explain mm-hmm. it the the best way, but I'll just give you this this metaphor Absolutely. that when I go to conferences on the science side, for lunch they give us pizza. When I when I go to lunch on the business side, they give us sushi. You know. So, there's a there's a difference. There's right. definitely a difference and that transition from science to business, mm. you go through a lot of that cultural shift, that mindset, I I think, um, it's, you have to, you kind of have to know which world you're in sometimes to be able to talk the right language, speak, Mm -hmm. um, with the right authority, but also speak in a way that people will understand what you're saying. I can't go to a business conference and start talking technology in in, in too much depth, unless they also are scientists because it'll, it'll just, um, it's not their language.
0: Like but, catering to your audience. Yeah, yeah you, like that. you do. And likewise,
2: yeah. I can't walk into a scientific conferences and start right. talking about ROIs and investments and, and, <laughs> and stuff because exactly. it's just not the right audience and not the right language. So mm-hmm. th- there's a place in the middle w- where people do speak both languages mm-hmm. and those worlds do overlap because the science gets driven by the business and the business is about the science, mm-hmm. at least in biotechnology. Right. Uh, but you have to know who you're talking with to make sure you're communicating the right way. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely.
1: That's awesome. And it sounds like a lot of this is leading into your work at PCI and helping mentor like scientists who have a great business idea and even like have businesses who want to base their um, product into combining new technologies and incorporating them from um, Penn. And I wanted to hear your experience with, like for the people that you've worked with, Like, what are some... What are some insights that you've gained on how uh, how the m- a lot of successful? What are some maybe common pitfalls people have like uh, made early on in their careers before launching something, uh, and what are su- successful attributes you've seen like consistently through these um, teams you've worked with?
2: Yeah, the, 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 you know so I worked at the <clears throat> tech transfer office helping right. helping them license existing technologies okay. at Penn and and also helping creating business plans. The right. second year I worked there. Um, creating business plans out of mm-hmm. those technologies, and then I joined the Science Center, their incubator at the time, um, helping comp- uh, helping people, entrepreneurs, write business plans and launch their businesses. Some of those were really successful; some of those weren't. Um, the, the difference in success and failure sometimes is, I say, two parts. One one is having the right leaders, you know, people with good judgment, and that's it's very hard to um, quantify that. Mm-hmm. But if you if you're in business and you consistently make, well, if you consistently make the right decisions, you're going to be Mm -hmm. successful. Mm -hmm. If you make the wrong decisions, not necessarily consistently, but enough wrong decisions can tank an idea very quickly. Right. Because even a few decisions that are not right can, and you end up in the wrong place in in the business. So looking for leaders who can, Make the right calls because there's a 100 mm. decisions you have to make every day. And if a number of those are wrong, you end up in a dark place in the business side right. <laughs> um, without money, without people, without resources. So so you got to make the right decisions. The, part of making the right decisions and part of getting there is having the right advisors and getting the right advice. The nice thing for me when I was starting up is I could walk down the hall. We were in an incubator. We, we, were, mm. we started mm. in an incubator. Which meant I could walk down the hall, and I did, um, to you know the guys just down the hall who were two years ahead of me, a year ahead of me, three years ahead right. of me in, in terms of starting a company. Be like, uh-huh. I, I need an accountant. I need a lawyer. I need to I need to figure out how to roll out this benefit. I need to, mm-hmm. you know, some guys, you know, yeah. threatening with a lawsuit. What do I do? So you know, having these real world experiences and advisors right. that you can call on, mm-hmm. advisors. Um, Sometimes formal, sometimes just having lunch with someone or just down the hall, yeah, yeah. you know, your peers, um, but people who can give you advice and right. mentor you, uh, that makes the difference in making and, and learning to make the right decisions.
1: Mm-hmm. Who is a good mentor? What, what makes a good mentor from your experience?
2: Well, someone who's willing to share, right. uh, their experience with you and mm. give you advice, um, understands that you may or may not take the advice that right. you're, you, you, um, you know, you're your own person and you're going to make the right decision with all the factors you bring in. But I have some great mentors and advisors now Mm -hmm. that have been helping me for 10 plus years, Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, we, we, we meet every couple months or or more often. And Mm -hmm. we, um, talk about issues and I hear about their experiences and their perspectives. And mm-hmm. uh, and they bring perspectives and experience that I don't have, no matter how old someone is. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't have every experience and every diverse experience right. in the world and every job and every company. So you bring in those people who can complement what you know, mm-hmm. give you perspective from a place that you've never been. And then you can kind of synthesize that and Mm-hmm. Come up with the right decision for that particular instance for your company or your business.
0: Right. I know, like that you mentioned that um, you know when you're starting off a business that you have to make the right decisions and you have to do like X, Y, and Z. Were you like, was there any any hesitations? And did the people that you saw as mentors did they help you overcome those hesitations? Or did you feel like you were confident enough from like learning from experiences that you saw at that point when you're starting your company that you know I can do this.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think you have to be confident in the things that you know, mm-hmm. and you also have to know what you don't know and and be open to those suggestions and those thoughts and that input. Because if you think you know everything, <laughs> you're deluding yourself. <laughs> if right. you understand what you are good at and know and things that you make consistently good decisions in, mm-hmm. um, then you should be confident making those decisions. If you know you don't have the experience in things and you, you just don't have that experience history um, you know, that's a good place to bring in advisors and mentors to add to that experience and help you make those decisions. So being open to that is, is important at least in, in my perspective. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time you, you have to be you have to be confident in your decisions but you it's also important to to realize that you're going to make, the wrong decisions you're going right. to you're going to fail sometimes and the important thing about failure is not that you can avoid it but if you fail fail quickly and fail easily yes. you know like <laughs> do something fail fail small you don't want to go out big you don't want to blow right. something up big if yeah. something's going to blow up or die that be really small. Make yeah. small mistakes. Small mistakes. You can yeah. backtrack. You can do it differently. You can do it again. Right. You know, if you if you if you're take if you're betting the farm on <laughs> one product and that product dies yeah. in development and doesn't do what you were sure it was going to do, right? You're done. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if you've got a, a a mix a portfolio of things and you've got some some bets on this horse and some bets on this horse and some mm. bets on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the odds are you're going to succeed because then you've given yourself multiple Mm -hmm. ways to succeed. Maybe all of them work. Like we have different products in development Mm -hmm. in R&D. We've always had many products in development. Some Mm -hmm. of them work, some of them don't. Um, But there's many, many ways for us to succeed. For us to fail, Mm -hmm. many things have to go wrong at the same time. Right. Not that that can't happen. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, know, certainly bad things do happen along (laughs) the way and unexpected things like... um, uh, you know, like like well, re- recessions and pandemics. You know, exactly. Uh, you know, they happen. True. But if you have backup plans and you have multiple ways to succeed, the likelihood that every leg underneath your table gets cut out at the same time is pretty low. Yeah. Right. So you try to give yourself multiple um, mm-hmm. multiple ways to to, to succeed. Mm-hmm. Like diversification
1: mm-hmm. is key. Then right. I'm guessing, mm-hmm. like yep.
2: products and stuff.
1: Yeah. Has there been any, um, and go in as like, um, as most comfortable detail as you feel, but have there been any like setbacks with, um, I know the company that you have right now, integral molecular, Have there, I I can imagine there's been some plateaus and even some ups and downs, but have you like speaking from personal experience, how are you able to navigate those with the principles we, um, you just mentioned?
2: Most successes and and failures, um, you know, you, you kind of expect both, right. you know, and, and you hope for more successes than failures. <laughs> True, you know, we, we have had you know things die, you know, <laughs> unex, you know, unfortunately, like some products we've developed, some technologies we've developed mm-hmm. have not worked the way right. we've wanted want, wanted them to, you know, and that's unfortunate, but it's also mm. kind of science, you know, you don't expect every experiment to work, right. or at least give you the result that you want. Sometimes the 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 science, the data says, you know, the data says Mm. this is not going to work. Right. And you have to kind of accept
1: that. I mean, if you that's just what it is. If you do
2: the right experiments, you know, you get the data, and the the data tells you like this is possible, and this is not humanly or physically possible in this world. (laughs) And then you have to kind of take a deep breath, step back, and start going a different direction. Mm. So we've had some 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 products that we thought were, were great and they are right. great but right. um but just didn't get to that level commercially to be mm-hmm. able to develop um and we had to put them on the shelf and go different true way. right
0: so the, uh, those ideas were still kept it's not like you guys just discarded them it's like Okay, we can store this idea for a little bit later. You know, when the markets are more developed or when there's a need for the product. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I give you one example of that. You know, many for many years. So I'm a virologist by training. Right. You know, I did my graduate work in virology. We've worked on many viruses in the company since we started. Half the projects we do are based on viruses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we, but the well, say the virus products and the, the viruses that we work on. Sometimes we work on because they're viruses, like right. mm-hmm. HIV needs a needs a drug, needs yeah. a vaccine. Yeah. Other times, most of what we do with the company is actually working with viruses as a tool. I we see. use viruses, not because we're interested in the disease that the virus causes. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, most of the viruses we work with now don't cause a disease right. in humans, mm-hmm. um, like murine leukemia virus. Mm-hmm. Um, but we use them as a tool to study membrane proteins, the proteins on the outside of human cells. Mm. But we've worked with viruses for for 20 years. So Mm -hmm. when the pandemic, the the, the SARS COVID pandemic hit, you know, we were not doing anything with COVID or coronaviruses. But now that's a big part of our business Mm -hmm. because we understand the the science. We have technologies that Mm -hmm. we've developed. Mm -hmm. And actually, we, we developed some of our technologies that we're selling now, like reporter viruses, we developed 10 years ago. And we've always sold it, and we've always had mm-hmm. experience in the virology field, but because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, those have become mm-hmm. very important tools and technologies, not just for us as a company, but around the world. We have over 100 laboratories right. um, mm-hmm. using our, our reporter viruses and our technologies to develop the drugs and the vaccines mm-hmm. that are now on the market for, for treating right. um, COVID, so that's a, that's fulfilling and that's exciting. Yeah. But it also says you know sometimes you you can't push the market to mm-hmm. do something it's not going to do, mm-hmm. but you can be prepared for things that can happen, like pandemics, like virus outbreaks. Right. Um, that's a reality. You don't know what's going to happen with a virus. I mean, mm-hmm. you can, but you can be prepared to fight things when they come out. Mm-hmm.
0: Is it is it hard to adapt to new situations in the like the market, whether it be there or, like, in the lab? Is it hard to, like, okay, to shift focus based on, like, what's going on? Like, pandemic, you said in the pandemic that you weren't working with sars cov So after the pandemic, you started working with that. Was that a big shift? Um, and, like, was was there any challenges of, like, overcoming that shift that you'd like to discuss? The,
2: the, the tools that we needed were in place, you know, in March 2020 when, when the COVID pandemic really you know, sprung to life took in the off. U.S., um, <laughs> you know, we, we had we had all the virology knowledge, we had all the tools and expertise to make things happen and to contribute to the okay. fight against the pandemic. Um, but we didn't have any products or services mm-hmm. right. that day, but we knew we could. So it took a lot to put them together. And within mm-hmm. a few months, we had some of the first products on the market <laughs> against SARS. Uh, and so we could move very quickly because we had all the resources already kind of lined right. <laughs> up, even though it wasn't for SARS, but we could quickly shift it. Uh, so, you know, yeah, be, being, being ready for those kind of things, even though you don't know, the, know exactly what you need, is, is, um, is critical. But it is challenging. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, developing a new product during a pandemic for the pandemic, <laughs> a product right. that's meant for the pandemic, um, to, to help with it. Uh, and doing it while, you know, everyone's in a bit of a panic, you know, we don't, at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the pandemic, we didn't know, is this like Ebola and everyone's going to die or is this the flu? And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, so we, no one had really a a clear idea of what it was going to be or how it was going to develop. I think we have a better sense now. And, you know, Mm -hmm. back then, of course we didn't have vaccines, we didn't have Mm -hmm. drugs, we didn't have treatments. So we're in a better place now still, you know, there's, there's a lot more to do, right. But, um. There, it, it's it's hard to implement that to implement those kind of things in a normal environment to get yeah. things to work but when you but you're when when society is in that kind of place when supply chains start breaking down when you can't see people the teams that you've been working with right on a day-to-day basis because yeah. you're you're all keeping social distancing you know when you're um uh, all wearing masks and you can't even see each other mm-hmm. when you're in you know, working through Zoom and what is Zoom? We've never used that before. <laughs> right. Actually, we had used it before, but not to the extent. Not know, yeah. You know, so you know, you're, all of a sudden, you're recreating how you work, right. how you communicate, um, you know, how you live, all at the same time, where right. you're trying not to die and you're trying to create a new Goodness, product. Yeah. That's a, it's a, it's a lot. But the, you big know, big but the, the whole team came together in a very difficult time mm. to um, to make it all happen. Oh, and you're also trying to balance, like, well, what's going to happen with my business? Mm. Like, you know, again, right. it's a pandemic. Everything's are friends. dropping off. People are, yeah. you know, in other companies, our, our customers are also going through the same thing. Absolutely. Which means that our businesses t- take a pause and we don't know where they're going to go. Are they going to pick back up? Or are they right. going to continue? Are they going to grow? Are they going to disappear? Like, you know some com- some companies restaurants you know got hit really really yeah, hard yeah um, and you you just don't know what's going to happen mm-hmm. in those situations but if you have a good team you prepare as much as possible and there's also quite a bit of luck right. then you know you 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 pull it out and you make decisions you mm-hmm. try to make the right decisions you fail fast if something right. doesn't work you change um, and you try to make it all work with a really good mm-hmm. team of people around you helping you get there
1: absolutely and I was wondering what you your um, I was thinking about like a recent issue when you were talking about the teams and the dynamics. Like at work, it seems like people are now like recognizing the value um, value of a hybrid workplace. And for you, what does that mean? Like, how do you see um, both integral molecular and just employees on the spectrum of too much uh, hybrid or too much uh, virtual versus being yeah. in person? Where uh, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I mean, I I, su- I mean, I I think people should. I think a hybrid environment is great. Right, right. For for myself and and everyone, um, you know that only works to a certain extent if you're in the lab. Yeah, like you know we we are a lab-based company. Two thirds of our employees work physically in the lab, and you can't do lab work at home. So, you know, there's only so much you can do there. But you can do analysis at home. Mm -hmm. You know, you can you can prepare experiments and and analyze the data at home. So there are, and you can contribute in other ways by being at home. But at the end of the day, you've got to get into the lab to produce the materials, to do the research that you need. That's true. Uh, But we've adopted a a more hybrid environment, which has pluses and minuses. You know, Zoom is very convenient, (laughs) but it's not the same as in person. Exactly. Uh, So, you know, everyone's adapted. On the other hand, we now have better tools to communicate wherever people are. Mm -hmm. We've hired people in Arizona and Massachusetts and Virginia. Wow. You know, so we have employees now that we would not otherwise have mm-hmm. before the pandemic because we've been more open-minded about where they're located and how and, and the communication right. mechanisms to bring them into the company and keep them embedded in the teams right is there now even if they're not physically here mm-hmm. so you know th- there's silver linings even mm-hmm. in uh, <laughs> the, the disasters that we've encountered
1: <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah it's a it's a good time I was hearing on another podcast how like a lot of companies now nowadays are, especially in like a pretty like capital like constraint market uh it like the disciplined companies like really shine through and like it's an entirely new environment that like companies have to like learn to operate in and there is like that certain uh, certain la- silver lining that you're getting from like a pandemic environment and then it does um change sort of what the current like outlook are um for like certain discoveries and um, the horizon and it it sounds like we've never had like we wouldn't have predicted this and I was curious if you if there were some things that you've now like I'd say some other unexpected silver linings that you've taken from the pandemic that you're like really like driving into your like organization or just like how you live life that's a pretty loaded <laughs> question but like yeah I guess like <laughs>
2: Yeah. I I mean, I think, you know, the communication adjustments, remote employees has been, you know, has has been a positive, Mm -hmm. you know, having um, better tools like Zoom and we use Microsoft environment quite Mm -hmm. a bit for share, you know, SharePoint and things like that. Right. You know, different, different tools that allow us to do things. We've shifted a lot of our resources um, like, like most companies, but it's for the the pandemic has forced us to shift resources into the cloud. Mm -hmm. So whereas before we might, have an Excel document that right. we work on, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, through our servers at work Right now that's a, a you know, a SharePoint document or a Monday.com document exactly. that lives in the cloud mm. and we can all access that's um, from wherever we're working. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that might mean we're working 24 seven now right. um, at home <laughs> and at work, but you know, you have to balance things a different exactly, way, Yeah. but, but it's, um, but it's a benefit because we can work differently and more, right. um, more flexibly as we Absolutely. as we grow. And and also as a company, you know, we right. I forget exactly where we were at the beginning of the pandemic, but we've grown since then. Right. We're we're continuing to grow in terms of our employees and our space. Mm-hmm. And as you grow, um, actually, I remember the the day of or the week of the pandemic in mm-hmm. March 2020, we had our last lab meeting in person. Wow. Lab in person mm-hmm. lab meeting. Where everyone in the company could fit in a room and we could actually have an in person lab meeting. Right. We don't do that anymore. One, because of the pandemic. Two, because we won't fit in a room anymore. We'd have to have a really big room. <laughs> You're it so it makes sense. Now, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that is, you know, again, <laughs> that's a, exciting to see though. Like it's it's the, a silver lining to say, you right. know, we, we, we've outgrown it anyway and the pandemic has given us new tools along the way. Right. So now everything's worked out.
0: You know, absolutely no such thing as a snow day anymore You <laughs> can true that's right. zoom classes Just
2: zoom yeah. classes <laughs> and everything yeah well, now those pandemic days the or pandemic. Or it was actually covid <laughs> vaccine days we we give people day off like if you get a vaccine and you have side effects and right. you know, mm-hmm. you know I, i've had them too you know i mean you take a day off mm-hmm. and that's okay you know be vaccinated yeah. be healthy and um take a day to get your arm back in shape <laughs> a
1: booster yeah. day yeah yeah exactly yeah keep uh keep everything back up yeah, that's that's awesome.
0: Like, I've always found it like interesting to see though, like in at Zoom versus being in person. I feel like in person you're more engaged with a person because like you have that conversation back and forth. Whereas in a Zoom, it's I don't know. Sometimes there could be brief periods of just silence or like um, I guess like Zoom fatigue. And like um, I don't know. I don't know if that has affected. Anything.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's experienced that. You can't. Right. You know, we science. A lot of communication in science happens at conferences. Mm-hmm. So you go to scientific conferences, you see colleagues, mm-hmm. you present posters, you hear people talk, you give talks. Right. You can't do that by Zoom. It's, mm-hmm. it's, people have tried, and we've done it, um, right. but it's really not the same. And, and you can't yeah, sit mm-hmm. in front of a, your own computer, usually at home mm-hmm. or in the office, you know, basically alone, watching other people talk. Right. Without interacting the whole yeah, day, yeah. it's it's just a different environment. So we're starting to go to conferences again. Everyone started is, they're vaccinated. People are wearing masks, exactly. so it's a different. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to you have to make adjustments now, yeah. but it's a much better environment when you can see people in person, mm-hmm. uh, for conferences in particular. Mm-hmm. Absolutely,
1: yeah, and also there's that aspect of like, random like interactions too, like yeah. I, I've noticed like yeah, in networking. networking, yeah. Uh, it's the surprising like times when you like bump into someone or exactly. the side conversations I can have. Yeah, imagine. and those are, those are important
2: at, at business yeah. conferences and science conferences, right. just having those kind of random one-off encounters exactly. and they're like, Oh, I haven't seen you in three years. How's it going? And <laughs> right. You know, you end up doing some deal with them. Spontaneous, yeah. Um, so exactly. those spontaneous, you know, e- either actually colleagues well. Right collaborators and partners outside of the work but also internally you know the uh, water cooler moments the yeah they yeah, talk yeah, about right, the yeah. coffee maker moments you know people <laughs> just getting water or coffee and they you know have a spontaneous conversation that's right that's the building block of creativity right and our company not every company but our company is built on uh those you know right. that, that kind of brainstorming that kind of interaction that kind of creativity where people are exchanging ideas yeah that's right much different you have to be more Formal and structured about it. If you do it over Zoom, uh-huh. right. um, the other thing is about Zoom, which you you know everyone kind of understands, but no one ever talks about it, is that you can't interrupt each other. You know, you know, someone's the volume goes <laughs> in and out. But even even just what you said right now, you can't talk and hear someone at the same time. Right, like someone's talking, you know, then Zoom just balances the volume so that everyone exactly. else is quiet, <laughs> so you don't get those li- little. Oh, right. yeah, so oh yeah, so true, man. Exactly. You, know, you don't get that in the <laughs> background, right? Right. Or even the laughs. No you don't get yeah, the laughs and yeah. the humor and the clapping. True. You can't do it at the same time. So Right. There's an element of humanity that's lost. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. That's true. Wait, that's so funny you pointed out. It's like watching it's like watching a tennis match and like just the screens it's selected. You see the point, but there's mm-hmm. not like the emotion, and like the crowd banter and everything, the exchange. Like there is, yeah, there is something yeah. amazing as we like kind of find that kind of equilibrium between um, Mm -hmm. like Zoom and like in-person sort of functions. But like moving forward, I did, uh, I did, I was curious to hear um, for people who are in the audience um, looking on more technical, sorry, on the more technical side, what are some things that you're like looking forward to in the future? Like what are some things that you have your eyes set on and um, technologies or areas that could like disrupt like biotech and just medicine in general?
2: Yeah, there's so much going on. I mean, there really is. That that's the exciting thing about science. Right. You know, there's there's a ton going on in my company. There's a ton of things even more going on outside right. in my company and the in, you know, the rest of the world with other companies, yeah. academics, you know, laboratories everywhere. Um, there's so much going on. You, know, you hear a lot about CAR T. Yes, uh, therapies and immunotherapy these days. Absolutely. That is kind of a revolution that's under underway right now right uh, that will revolutionize the way we are treated for mm. cancer and, and other diseases. Right, um, You know, no one wants <laughs> no, <laughs> no one wants that, but when you do need that treatment, uh, it's going to be in a much, much better place than it right. was 10, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, the other mm. thing that's going on, which I don't know if everyone's kind of realized, is mRNA. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, you hear about it for vaccines, exactly. obviously, yeah. but the mRNA stuff was developed you know, in part, in big part at Penn, um, right. but for the past 10 years, you know, mm. and people within the field knew mm. that it was coming uh, and right. and really the next generation of vaccines well before the pandemic, even before the pandemic, like we've been doing RNA for many years before right. the pandemic, <laughs> Um but a lot of people didn't realize like how developed it was and how good it was right. you know, outside the field. Within the field, people understood like this is really good technology. Mm-hmm. But the pandemic just accelerated that you know tenfold, and right. and people were like, oh well, we need that today, exactly. <laughs> and, and there it was. <laughs> a year later, we've got two vaccines yeah. based on mRNA, which never would have happened you know without that that those building blocks to right. get there, mm-hmm. all that work ahead of time to get to the the starting mm-hmm. the starting point. So, what I don't know if everyone realizes that mRNA has a lot more potential—not just right. in vaccines, mm-hmm. but as therapeutics as well—and mm-hmm. I think we'll see that coming to to the market and th- you know through pipelines through development to the market right. it, over the next ten years. That it has a lot more potential beyond the, the COVID vaccines, mm-hmm. beyond vaccines in general. Right. There's, it's another therapeutic modality. Right. Kind of like everyone. Yeah drugs used to be you know you know 30 years ago a pill a a small molecule that you that you take
1: right and then you know
2: biologics antibodies came Uh in you know and 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 there's other things in between there too other types of biologics and other other modalities but mrna is another fundamental modality Mm -hmm. that i think will rise in Mm -hmm. importance over the next decade
1: right and where where do you see like the specific applications being in like um in uh, the cancer, like you mentioned, but like what other sort of ailments uh, do you also see uh, as an application?
2: Yeah. People are looking at mRNA for a number of applications. We'll see what actually works. Right. It has to be the right disease and the right application. Mm-hmm. So it, it overlaps a little bit with protein therapeutics. Mm-hmm. So you think about it this way, and I, I don't know if this is Exactly as people are thinking, but you think about it this way. If you've got diabetes and you take insulin every right. day, mm-hmm. why not have your body produce the insulin? Why do you have to inject that's it? It's true. You know, yeah. Well, mRNA and, and DNA and other ways are a way Absolutely. to, to um, have your body produce what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, there's risks in there too, so there's a lot to balance, but that's <laughs> right, an yeah, example right. of how you can get your body to produce a protein that you fundamentally Absolutely. need. Um gene therapy is all it it ties in with gene therapy being able to in, deliver yeah. a gene mm-hmm. either DNA or RNA and having your body produce that protein for your cells right. rather than just trying to provide the uh, a fix to the cells or the protein mm-hmm. itself by injecting it. So RNA DNA gene therapy are are very big on the horizon. But mm-hmm. there's a lot especially on the gene therapy side there's a lot to develop to get to right safety Efficacy, I think, is a little bit easier actually because <laughs> you, if you understand the basis for, the, for a disease, right. you can theoretically put in DNA and, and cure it, but doing it safely and doing it um, with sustainably, right? Uh, and, and, and I should say, commercially, in a commercially viable way, because right now, gene therapy is not. Mm -hmm. where it needs to be. It's at the very beginning of its commercial phase. There's a lot that needs to be optimized. You know, one gene therapy um, dose can be hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Right. That's not sustainable. (laughs) That's not expandable. That's, you know, it needs to be a lot, lot, you know, 10 to a hundred fold or more lower Mm -hmm. to make it generally accessible. Do you Mm -hmm. think that's, that's
0: that's that's like what produces the hesitancy of people, people like to maybe go into this or to develop these things is because, like, how do I bring the cost down? How do I – or is it just, like, we have to go through it, we have to get into it for the cost to come down? Because, like, I'll give an example. For cars, right, cars used to be, like, Mm -hmm. a very big thing and horses used to be, like, okay, so this is, like, you know, our way of getting around. And then cars came about and then it became, like, more centralized, you know, everybody – uh, like, like every modern family wanted a car and you mm-hmm. know the cost came down so, so do you think it's, it's more like that it's like we have, we have to shift, shift into this and, and then the cost will eventually come down because you know necessity like demand, demand and supply. Season,
2: yeah yeah that's part of it I mean there's definitely an economy of scale as you mm. scale things up um, it generally gets cheaper there's mm. also a technology component mm. whereas where it's not just it's not just the scale but we fundamentally don't know how uh, right. Just for, I'll stick, stick with gene therapy for a moment. Mm-hmm. We fundamentally don't know how to make it 100-fold cheaper okay. right. right now. We will over the next 10, Absolutely. 20 years, maybe less, You know, but we will. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people working on that problem in mm-hmm. the labs to make it more efficient.
1: Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm.
2: today, it, it, we don't have those solutions. Mm-hmm. But we will. And there's a pathway to get there. It just takes time and re- and research to develop right. those technologies to make things faster and cheaper and better.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in terms of on that same note, like, do you see that the best way of accelerating? I would, I'd be cautious. I'd even be careful saying best way, but with more sort of like investment and money going into this field, like, do you see that maybe like private sector opening up more R&D or more people getting into the research and facilities? could be driving this or even like just fund like the actual like technology and like, funnelling more money into like already like existing like pipelines like i guess like a more vertical or like a horizontal kind of research strategy like how do you see like sort of the most productive way of like tackling um this space or this promise
2: i mean all of that's going on at the same time like if you right. take car t therapy mrna right. gene therapy um immuno Immunobiology or medicines—all right. um, those things are going on at the same time. People are pushing ahead trying to get products to market. Right, you know, kind of vertically, just pushing ahead. At That's the, right. With the existing technologies, getting things to yeah. to patients as quickly as possible. But there are also a whole layer of companies, including my own, that are tackling the underlying technologies, right. trying to make it um, faster and cheaper and better. Absolutely, because. As I said, it's just not sustainable at that level. It's not going to ever grow unless you can make it a better tech, make it make the manufacturing and uh, the the, um, processes underlying it better. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of companies, often small companies, sometimes laboratories at universities, (laughs) um, working on these problems. And it's not going to be one silver bullet. It's going to be everyone making a contribution. You know, one lab can increase. Productivity or manufacturing capacity right. twofold, another one could do it threefold. You put those together, you've got a yeah. sixfold combination. Mm-hmm. Right. All of a sudden someone adds another twofold. You're wow. now all of a sudden you're a log better multi- than what you were yesterday. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So three different companies coming at it and you combine those things. So that's mm. kind of the way it's going to evolve. These like synergies
1: way. going on, right? Yeah. That's awesome. And how, how do you think um, like computing and like AI, um, big data, how is that sort of yeah. added into um, the biotech Synergies,
2: yeah. That I mean, that's you know, obviously continuing to right. e- evolve as well, and uh, you know, has a lot of potential. I think we're just, I, I think we're just starting to see the right. the the at the beginning of that stage. Mm. I, I think there's a lot more to come. Like in my day to day, AI does not come into right science that mm. much. Um, I think it will and it should, yeah. but it's not quite there. I see. Yet, um, so like you know, talking about AlphaFold and you <laughs> yeah, know, the al- RosettaFold yeah. and these right. these algorithms now that can predict the structure very very accurately right. of a protein. Mm-hmm. Those are those are enormous. Those mm. are those are huge leaps. We're at the stage right now where we haven't seen those translated into commercial right. successes exactly. or therapeutics directly, mm. but it's coming. Okay. Uh, those things are. In process, there's companies that are using these techniques to get there. Right. They still might need a little more refinement. It may not be next year, mm-hmm. but the next five years, ten years, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to see um, people not just being able to uh, predict structures, right. but to predict drugs. Use these wow. te- these tools to say, I need a new drug against this target, right. and you know, an hour later an with hour computational. Later design it's there yeah you know, it still has to go through testing it still needs to be validated mm-hmm. it still needs to cure right. an animal <laughs> cure a human yeah, yeah but the discovery part can yeah. get accelerated quite a bit that's and right. that's where we're headed that's incredible. uh we're not there today but that's right. where it's going
1: that's the goal wait that is incredible yeah to see like within like our like one's lifetime to see like lab work i mean not replaced, but, like, so enhanced by, like, uh, Alpha Folder, like, mm-hmm. AI. Wow. And, yeah, that's exciting to see. Do you uh, – this I, is I, – I will tell you,
2: though, like, I think th- there are elements of AI that get overhyped. Right. Mm-hmm. Right now, um, particularly on the business side, you know, a- anyone Absolutely. who does, You know, if you work on a computer and use Excel, people are like, oh, I have an algorithm. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's right. You know, so <laughs> you have to temp- – I think Let's people over- – temper ex- – th- yeah. There's a marketing – that's true uh, language around exactly. AI where you can throw AI into a sentence and people think that you've got something that you right. don't. Uh, so I, I say there's hmm. also some hype there that is not real right but but there is some reality underneath it. That's it's just true. Needs time to develop.
1: Absolutely. I had another question and mm-hmm. this is a bit out of left field, but what about the woolly mammoth? What's uh, what are your thoughts on? How soon we can see a woolly mammoth walk down like locust walker within Yellowstone and what are the sort of uh, kind of underpinnings what's the process to getting a woolly mammoth back on <laughs> North American soil I I will I
2: will, I will tell you a, a, I will answer a better question for you okay. when can we see a dinosaur walking when down When can we see a dinosaur <laughs> okay So we're working In this on situation. that <laughs> Okay we're working on that So so the, so the so here's the here's the here's the thing Right What is the what is the closest living relative to a mm. to a dinosaur today
1: it's a chicken right right
2: it's yeah. a chicken yeah exactly wonderful who yeah. is the who what company is the world's experts on chickens chicken biology chicken immunology
1: is it Tyson is it like one of the
2: no, it it's integral molecular. <laughs> oh, are, no we, way. We do more chicken antibodies than anyone else in the world. Particularly, chi- I mean, there's lots of other t- 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 right. t- chicken companies. We don't eat them. We don't grow them. Right, whatever, right. But in terms of chicken antibodies, right. chicken immunology, <laughs> exactly, um, we do more than anyone else in the world. No so way, that really? is that is a wow. question that we keep asking ourselves. Okay. When can we invent a, a dinosaur <laughs> antibody? Wow. Wh- and from there, when can we recreate a dinosaur immune system? Wow. And can from there, just... when can we recreate a dinosaur? Oh now, that's a pretty God. big stretch, but <laughs> that's true. One Very step at a time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. In this hypothetical
2: mm-hmm. situation.
0: Wait, it, can, it can be traced the lineage, or you wow. know, these ancestries can be traced through just like modern day chicken. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And if you sequence a chicken, you look at the DNA of a chicken, (laughs) it is essentially the closest thing to a dinosaur. Obviously, it's it's evolved, but it is the closest (laughs) thing to a dinosaur. If you actually combine the chicken with turtles and alligators, uh, crocodiles, (laughs) you know, you get a pretty good, if you kind of converge those sequences, you kind of get a pretty good picture of what a dinosaur Mm -hmm. uh, genome used to look like.
1: Absolutely, oh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. To build off of that, wait, has integral molecular been contacted by like any like just anybody to like just look into this, or is like are people looking into bringing back dinosaurs and how how realistic I, is this? I, I think
2: there were some movies made on that, but right. oh yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, but but you know the, the reality is that there's actually very little funding to do. that Yeah, kind of thing. that's it's, right. It's fun <laughs> and it's interesting it and it's great movies. <laughs> But right, <laughs> you know what? Coming back to science and and um, s- science and business, why? Why? You know, that's the fun. If <laughs> is there a value to someone true. of creating a a dinosaur or a dinosaur antibody or Absolutely. a dinosaur or, or a woolly mammoth? You know, exactly. So so you know, it could be done. Right. But who values it? Aside right. and aside from the movies. Right. You know, and and, mm-hmm. and the concept of Jurassic Park having a fancy right. island with dinosaurs roaming around, which I'm not sure is a good idea. <laughs> right. Um but aside from that kind of right. entertainment, what's the value? True. So that's where I come back to like what we we're talking about earlier. You know, science could do it but right. probably. Mm-hmm. But what's the value? Right. Does it who does it cure? Who right. does it help? What patients does? It help? How does it move science or medicine or humanity forward? Absolutely. And if it doesn't what, what happens in reality is right. that if it doesn't, there's not a lot of funding for it. That's there's not true. a lot of motivation for someone to do it. <laughs> so, right. you know, there's entertainment Absolutely. and then there's, you know, real life. That's true. And the real life part says, well, cool concept, but, but I'll let someone else do it. Right. Or right. I'll just make a movie that is done. Exactly. We'll at that.
1: Yeah, let Elon Musk, like the next time <laughs> the next time he has this billion lying around, you know, put it towards dinosaurs and <laughs> Maybe make a Jurassic Park or something. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I doubt he will. It's but up to him, uh, yeah. He's probably asking the same question. Exactly. Well, what's the value? Why should I yeah. put a dinosaur right. on Mars? You, know? <laughs> you got Twitter, or maybe like a dinosaur, <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Yeah. That's that's so cool, yeah. yeah. Wonderful. I was uh I was wondering, um the last thing. Sounds good. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. So that was like the last. That was like one of the last um, things I, I was like wondering about. With because um, I think he reminded me of like the overall question between like how much like quantif like back to the business and science like valuing like um, valuing whether one should pursue a venture or not. Like how much is it worth and whether it's um, doing it. Um, I did hear like from another podcast, it was actually the All In podcast um, with like, uh, it was David Friedberg who brought up this interesting point about basic research and how like the value of basic research is like, we don't know like what we're going to find. Like we're still like, we should probably set aside funding just for the heck of it to see like if there's any like, just doing research for the sake of doing research, where it uncovers something like completely like revolutionary and like, Where does that like kind of how do we balance our like societal needs with like the need to do basic research and how do we optimize it maybe?
2: Yeah, I I mean, I think, you know, basic research is the fundamental. You can't get to applied research and and, and develop these kind of products and things without understanding the biology underneath it. So it's got to be done. But I think how much of it to do is sort of a philosophical question of where you want to spend your money. Um, You know, there are endless Mm -hmm. and literally endless Endless. questions and (laughs) research you can do. Right. Um, And if you throw enough money at it, you can answer many of those things. That's true. But where does it get you? Mm -hmm. So you don't know what it's going to lead to. And many things don't lead anywhere. Mm -hmm. But but if you look at the endpoint and work backwards, all technologies – stem from some basic research.
1: That's right. You just
2: don't know what basic research. Mm. So you've got to invest in basic research. But exactly. you've got to balance it with, you know, how that's true. What what percentage of your budget or you know, if you're mm. the NIH or mm. DOD exactly. do you spend on basic research versus applied research versus product development, you know, things that right. you really want to get to market. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, that that's a you know, question beyond me, but it's a uh <laughs> right. it, it's it's a budgeting element of how much you want to throw at things.
0: Absolutely, I think you're like absolutely right with saying like, you know, what is the like answering that uh, question of like what is the need for this and like how can this be applied? I think I think that's a lot of things stem and go back to that. Right, right. Yeah, the needs. Yeah, there's
2: there's also different areas of biology. So as we we're talking about, you know, mRNA, CAR-T, stem cells, another big thing. Exactly. Um, you know, all these are you know big areas of science and the basic research underlying that right. you don't know what's going to come out of any given project Exactly. but the area is so is so ripe with <laughs> a lack of knowledge you know anything True. that you can find in those areas will benefit the field right um, And there's a lot of knowledge now but there's so much more we don't know mm-hmm. so i think those are good areas to invest in because you know that anything you invest in will probably lead somewhere Mm-hmm. There's other areas, you know, that, you know, we've kind of beaten to death. You right. know? I don't know how much more research there is to do on the Krebs cycle. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> not to be little, the Krebs cycle, it's true. great. Uh, and I'm the... sure there's people that study it, but like <laughs> exactly where will that get us? That's not true. You know, um, it may get us somewhere, but That's it may not. Right. So true. True. The NIH and mm-hmm. other institutes will probably, you know, steer right. money towards things that exactly. are exactly areas where we know so little. Whereas mm. versus areas where we already know so much.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, like the balancing the risk and then seeing where things are right now and their needs, so very important. But this is, yeah, I think this leaves so many questions uh, for our listeners to continue pursuing. I mean, we covered a lot today. Uh, it seems like we went from uh, just uh, virology, microbiology, to even chickens and just the philosophical kind of... Um, Nature of like what research we should be doing and how to combine that with uh, business, but this is this has been so it, it's been awesome kind of synthesizing, um just like your background and like everything like we've talked about today, and I was like curious to hear if you'd have any parting thoughts for um just uh, a lot of our I think a lot of our listeners are our students here at Penn, mm-hmm. and uh, we're still like you know a little undecided where we were gonna go and how to pursue our interests, but any like. Um, wisdom from you and uh, your wonderful life experiences. Well, as I was saying earlier, you know, yeah.
2: work with people that know more than you do. Right. And you will always learn from them. Absolutely. You know, that's what I've done along the way. You work mm. with great mentors, great advisors, great right. bosses and employers. Absolutely. Um, you know, don't work with people that you can't stand. Uh, <laughs> that's I a mean, start, yeah. I mean, if you can help it, you know, sometimes, right. you, you know, everyone needs a job, but um, right. as a philosophical um point, you know, work, enjoy what you're doing if you can possibly find that possibly, that direction yes. and uh, keep pursuing that passion and, and, and an right. area that um, will uh-huh. lead you towards a career and lead you to work with great people and to contribute, right you know, to the world. Absolutely. To great things.
0: Yeah. Just like develop, develop yourself and make yourself like, you like, know, yeah change like it's like, <laughs> to get change
2: right well you gotta you got start you gotta start small you know oh. and be willing to <laughs> exactly. be the intern that knows nothing yeah. and right. it's okay to know nothing and to admit that you know nothing and realize True. you're nothing because that means you can learn so much from the <clears throat> people you're with
1: yeah absolutely absolutely that is so well said well that's that's all we have for today but it, it has been so much fun yeah like talking to you about and learning just what you've been working on, uh, how, how much promise like we have and like, what's, what to look forward to, uh, in like biotechnology. So thank you so much, uh, for, yeah, taking the time today to come through and yeah, um, sit in and have this wonderful conversation. Yeah, my pleasure.
2: A lot of Absolutely. fun. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be working on those dinosaurs. Absolutely. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Can't wow. wait to
1: punch a ticket to Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> To our listeners, thanks for joining us today, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. To health, wealth, and knowledge, and we'll see you next time.